Welcome to Tanya's Good Vibes Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything that makes us feel good, we exude positivity, we party through love and light, and we talk about all the blessings through the tough parts of our personal journeys. today is a specialist in design therapy. She is the founder of Calm House and home space design consultant and she also does some coaching. She's here today to share her personal journey and talk about ways we can create good vibes in our homes as well as change the way we look at our stuff. Let's give a warm welcome to Tina Venema. So happy to have you here today. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Tanya. It's a pleasure. No problem. How's life in quarantine for you? You know what? It's actually um, going pretty well. I think we all anticipated we'd have lots of empty hours, but I think people have rediscovered a lot of ways to spend their time that they hadn't been doing before, rediscovering certain activities and stuff, but going pretty good so far. I think we're very fortunate. Cool. And you started doing it, uh, an online, you have an online community now, and I keep getting these wonderful emails. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to listen to all of them, but you have speakers and uh, I think that's really awesome that you're connecting with people and bringing some good vibes to them as well. Yeah, 100%. We actually started the interview series back in October, planning for it long before we oh. found ourselves in this pandemic situation. And I titled it then from chaos to calm. And so it's kind of coincidental or maybe yeah. visionary that it actually worked out really well. But it's something even pre-pandemic, we were, our lives were getting too busy and stuff. So I look at this as if we want to find a silver lining and a good vibe part to it is being able to do personal resets and discovering a lot of things about ourselves and our homes. Yeah, definitely. And the reason why I wanted to have you on this podcast is because we were always so busy out of our homes, working, taking care of the kids, and we didn't have time to really revamp or relook at the, the space that we live in and rethink as to where we're working or where we're living. And now we're stuck here. And I noticed that a lot of people, there was a big spike in Ikea sales and Wayfair sales and any home furniture designs. I thought to bring you on and, and talk about your expertise. So... Before we get into that, I'd like to know a little bit more about yourself. Tell me about your personal journey and how you became who you are today. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to try and keep it in a nutshell because it can tend <laughs> to be a little long-winded. But yeah, so I was born to Danish parents in Canada. They came here on their honeymoon and just never went back. So oh. it was a bit of born out of an adventure. So I was really steeped in this whole concept that we've heard a lot about a lot of people don't know how to pronounce called hygge and hygge is a danish word and it basically means this idea of calmness and a feeling of well-being and belonging and safety and for for danish people that pretty much is established in the home but spills out into our entire lives the way we live the way we eat the way we socialize the way we work the importance we place on work and other things so I was steeped in that growing up. So this idea of a calm home and environment and the home being super important has always been with me from the beginning. But my career trajectory was very different. So I uh, graduated from the University of Waterloo with a degree in psychology and a minor in English, always wanting to be a writer. And from there, swiftly went into marketing in the high-tech industry. Not really wow. sure. <laughs> 
So I became pretty prominent or busy in the startup scene in Canada. I worked at a number of spin-offs. Then I jumped out and did my own technology company as well, startup as well. And it was all around helping kids be charitable and give back to the world in ways that they were able to. And it was wonderful and it was beautiful. And then time went on. And what I was beginning to discover was my passion, like where I wanted to be and if I was going to build a legacy, was somewhere at this crossroads of innovation, love technology, design, and but really how to make people content. What makes us happy? So that's my jump off point. So after a number of years in technology and running out of runway in our startup, I started thinking about the things that had always been present in my life. And one of those things had always been helping friends and family at a tiny company when I was in university help make their homes a, a more beautiful space. But that kind of got put in the background while I did all the other career stuff. So I guess it really came to a head, <clears throat> pardon me, a couple of years ago when my mom passed away and you then stand and go, oh, I'm going to next up to bat, right? So what have I learned? That person becomes very present to you. And my mom right. is basically the queen of Huga. So I started thinking about how important everything she had taught me was to me and to my lives and how it had also then traveled on to my children. I have two daughters. And I started thinking about how important this was when I talked to friends who were really stressed about home and stressed about their homes, that they had become to-do lists. And to be honest, this was mulling in my, in my mind, but it was my 24-year-old daughter who, when I was questioning whether to just jump deeper into tech or not, said, Mom, you really got to do something with homes and houses. You've been doing it forever. You can make a box feel like a beautiful, cozy home. Aww. And that, yeah, that kind of stuck in my head. And I was like, really, is that true? So when I looked back, I saw, yes, I had always been doing this. It's almost like a side hustle. Like in university, I had this tiny company called On a Shoestring Home Designs, where I helped fellow students make their places cozy and nice. Aww. I started two years ago. I decided to really take it seriously. And I started Calm House. So Calm House is a number of things, as you mentioned earlier, we do some home design, but it's more along home and mind design therapy and how to create homes where we can view them as launch pads to dreams of um, what we want to do and where we want to be, but also as memories and reflections of who we are. I love that philosophy. I love it. And I'm sure that you hear all the time, I want to declutter, organize, get rid of my stuff. People might feel lost. So using that philosophy, how do you approach that in, in finding what their mindset is like and recreating it in home design? You stated a really important thing there in the question, and that's a, it's a great question. And that is how do we, because they're married, whether we like to admit it or not, our mindset and how our homes manifest and appear are very much connected. It's a bit, a little bit of a chicken and egg thing. It was my mind cluttered first and so my home is cluttered or was my home cluttered and so I feel stressed and my mind becomes cluttered. I think it's a little bit of a symbiotic thing, but it's very important to understand and to have that realization that our mindset our mind our mindset and our homes are often reflective of each other right so you're absolutely right it can be very overwhelming and the reason why i think it's overwhelming for a lot of people is especially in the western world we have this idea of everything has to happen right away and we tend to look at things in in a big broad scope so there's this Danish saying, and I'm translating it from the Danish that my mom used to always tell us when we had to clean our room, for example, and she always said to us, you, you can't eat an elephant in one bite. Sounds <laughs> a little weird, right? 
but I always remember it. And now my kids even say it now and their friends look at them funny because it's a direct translation and we don't say that in, in normal English. But they, you can picture the concept, right? There's no, you can't take the big overwhelming thing and just and have it done in, in one fail swoop. So right. I often, depending on which route I'm going with a client, if I'm doing like a whole, you sort of like a home renovation, like a kitchen renovation, or we're changing stuff, then we spend a huge amount of time in the beginning of the process just talking about the things that they want, like breaking it down. So the things that they mm -hmm. want to be, what are they trying to accomplish? What are some of their dreams? We don't dive right into paint colors and furniture placement. Those are important, but we right. don't start right there. But with smaller things like decluttering, again, you have to take that, that elephant and break it down, if you will. So I always, when it comes to decluttering, I tell people to start small. So start with your junk drawer, we all have one, or your you know, pantry like I have here, that had to be done a few weeks ago because it had built up, or a closet. And the reason why you start really small is because as you gain accomplishment and as you finish something, it builds momentum. So as I clear out my junk drawer, for example, I feel good. And I only, I also create space in my mind. I've created space in the drawer and I feel good. And have you ever, I know, maybe you've never done this, but I do this all the time. I clean a room or a bathroom or I declutter the medicine cabinet. I keep going back and looking at it. And I look at it. <laughs> makes you feel good. Yeah. yeah. It makes you feel good. All the time. Yeah. And what's happening there is we're creating space for other things to happen. So if you start small, and then take one thing at a time. So start with a drawer, move up to your pantry, go into your cupboards, and one, one thing at a time. That's super mm. important to, to, to not try and eat the elephant in one bite. And the same thing goes for kind of doing the roll up your sleeves approach. Like we are decluttering the house this weekend. It's mm. so many people do that. What happens is your partner, your family, who you really want to engage and help are like, Ah, that's not fun. Everybody knows that's not fun to spend an entire weekend. So take it in small pieces, take it in small time chunks and add some fun to it. So maybe, if, especially if you're working with young kids, I always go treat them, say, okay, we're going to clean out your closet. And once we have your closet cleaned out, we, we go have ice cream, whether it's at home oh, now. That's a good idea. I should yeah. do that with my daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And give them little things to look up, look forward to in, in the process. Put on some fun music, try and keep it uplifting because Decluttering is hard. You have a lot of sometimes emotional decisions to make in the process. And yeah, so it's a difficult task. So try and break it down, start small and then expand and spread it out over time. It could be this weekend we're doing your bedroom, but not this weekend we're decluttering the house because you're bound to fail. And then of course you don't feel good and you shy away from that thing mm. you really want to do. And what I've noticed is that I take everything out and I, like you said, I'm going to declutter the house. So I take everything out and then you start saying, oh my God, I have so much stuff. So you start putting some things away, but then it gets tiring and it becomes a chore, like you said. And so you end up just either throwing everything back where it was or your room or the house looks even messier than it did before when we, you were trying to organize it. Yeah, so, and, you, and you feel very defeated then and it's not something you right. want to be happy, but you make a really good point just a, as a process point there. So when I tell, let's, I'm just going to take a linen closet, for example. If I say to someone, let's declutter your linen closet, I do recommend you take everything out. So it's take it up, but just the linen closet. Start with one thing <laughs> at a time. Same in a bedroom. Start with a closet, then do a dresser, then do a desk, but don't pull everything out, especially with children. They get overwhelmed even more easily than we do. Mm. Do take it all out. And then I always tell people to separate it into three pieces, things for sure you want to keep 
and we know that we can feel that pull whether it's from sentimental reasons things we're unsure about we can put to the side and things we know also we usually know 100 that can move on to someone else mm -hmm. and then once you get those things separated out into three then you take the things that you love and you're going to keep and you clean out you, you vacuum out the the linen closet and you wipe it down and then you fold those things up and you start to also organize so I always say keep like with like all your bath towels on one shelf then do your hand towels and do your washcloths and do your sheets and do your sheets like either in sets. For me, I just do them in sets. I do a fitted sheet, a flat sheet, my pillowcases, that's a little pile and I put it in there. And then because decluttering is one thing and organizing as long as it's not over the top also creates space in your mind. So when you right. go today, I need to change your sheets or tell your daughter, for example, can you go change your sheets? They're always there. They're in one place. You're not running around looking for it. And are they here? Are they there? Are they, oh, that's the sheet. That's the other one down there. And where are the pillowcases? This thing that you mentioned, pulling it all out is good in small, small. And you're so right about getting into the mindset of creating a calm house and how it just changes the way you think because sometimes my house is so cluttered let's say you don't have time to clean it so everything is everywhere and then when i get down to either writing an article or editing a podcast or or whatever i can't concentrate because there's so much clutter everywhere but then the minute i organize it or the minute i put things back to where it's supposed to be you just okay now i could relax now i could really be my creative self or not could really work. So it is true. I, I really agree with the mindset. hundred percent. Yeah. You can't separate the mindset from the, we'll call it space set, home set. You really can't separate them. And I think majority of people feel the same way when their home is, and it doesn't mean we're perfectly organized all the time. And it doesn't mean we're ca completely calm all the time, but right. if we set ourselves up for that success, we will feel that success and we'll be ultimately better at the things that we're doing, like podcasts, creating content, running businesses, raising children. I said if we can, in, control is, not, is a wrong word, but if we can organize ourselves for the things we do have control over, because there's so many things we don't, we mm. then open up space for doing things on the fly. Or if we have things True. kind of organized and our child comes in and goes, hey, can I finger paint? And you're like, you know where they are. And there's a clear surface. There's not stuff all over the dining room. We just mm. open up opportunities for us to live the lives we want to. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And I like how when I like the, your philosophy and the way that you consult, you ask your client, what are your goals? What are your dreams? What is your personality? What, what makes you happy? Instead of looking through a magazine and finding what's the latest color or what's modern or so. So that's a lot different than what I'm used to seeing when I think of a, a, an interior designer. The thing is, these magazines and also interior designer, whether it's an Instagram account or blogs, they're super helpful. There's, but I yeah. think they're super, super helpful, pardon me. I think they're super helpful when we know what we're trying to accomplish. Mm. And this is where a lot of stress with my clients come in is they feel very influenced by those things ahead of time. Pinterest. So, <laughs> yeah. And we see, they, and it's good. It's good that we see things that we like or that catch our eye or that pull something out of us and we go, we like that. But it's, I always worry a little bit about people who are like, I don't know what I want at all. I'll do that because wicker seems to be trending this year, but I really don't like, my husband hates wicker. I love wicker, but he hates it. So, it's, you know, don't go with wicker because wicker is trending. Go with it because it, it brings something out for you or it's something that you like. I think it was Winston Churchill who said, I'm not sure if you used the word homes or buildings, but it's first we create our homes and then our homes create us. 
which I think is beautiful, especially coming yeah. from politicians. I think we have to really take that to heart when we start looking around at our homes, where we're spending a lot more time now, is that how we create our homes then creates us. So if you start to design your home with your goals or whoever's living there's goals in mind and what you want to achieve, you will find success there and you will feel calm because it's a reflection of who you are and where you want to go. Mm, definitely. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, speaking of work and being at home all the time now, since we're in quarantine and now our life is completely different than what it was at the beginning of this year. And a lot of people now are working from home indefinitely. They don't know when business they're going to start opening up yet, or even the office closed, either they're considered non-essential or they said, you know what, we're going to try it. We're going to be virtual from now on. In saying that, a lot of people are working from home and they have their little office space and they never worked from home before. So how can they create their Zen in a corner to help them be more productive, help inspire their ideas? Like what are some easy tips or steps that they can take towards that direction? So that's so true what you said and a great question and something that I'm actually working um, a lot with clients right now, given our situation of being more at home. So we've been more at home than ever before. But even before the pandemic, there was this trend happening of a distributed workforce. So more mm. people working at home. And it was one of the things I was thinking about um, was just this idea of how do we make room for work at home? And I think the problem for a lot of people who are working at home even before we have to be at home was that they shoved their work into a corner somewhere. So it either became one end of the dining room table that was cluttered or something set up or sitting in bed with a laptop or any number of places, but always a secondary thought, not mm. really a primary thought. And when you stop to think about that for a minute, you go, okay, this is my livelihood. This is what I'm spending a lot of my day doing. It really needs to be a primary thought when you start to work from home and how to set up that space for right. yourself. So there are a couple of things I've been uh, telling people to do. And number one, and we tend to do this in homes anyways, is start to look at your home in the rooms in your home is maybe having an alternate purpose. So we sometimes are a little bit bound by a bedroom has to be a bedroom, a dining room has to be a dining room, and we can't switch things up to be what we need them to be. So that would be number one, look around your home and see what could become an office for you as a designated office, not a corner of the table, not working off your night table, not sitting in your kid's room when they're not in there. <laughs> try, and find, yeah, try and find that space where you actually can set something up. So often it could be the end of a dining room table, but more or less I would say try and find and pick uh, a desk or a surface that you can set up in, even if it's a corner of the bedroom, but not a corner of the bedroom and all your laundry baskets are beside you. So first of all, <laughs> so find a designated spot <clears throat> because through that you're giving respect to yourself and to your work. Again, that connection between mindset and space. So number one, find a space and dedicate it to that. Make a big enough workspace for yourself. So I have a friend actually who just the other day said she didn't have space in her home. So she took two sawhorses of her husband's and then she put the leaves of her dining room table over top. So you can get creative. Okay. Just, yeah, you don't have to go out and buy something, but you need to find that space that you can dedicate towards your work and your passion and what it is you're doing. Secondly, what I would suggest then is once you have that space clear, 
think about incorporating only the things that you need to do your daily work. So it doesn't mean you have to have your paper shredder, your filing cabinet, your printer, your fax, if you're still doing fax, you know, whatever you need for your business, you don't have to have it all right there in your space. So you want some clarity. So again, the decluttered mind, decluttered desk. Think about your workflow a little bit, but what do I absolutely have to have here? The filing cabinet could be in a closet somewhere else and you go there once a week and file if there's things you need to do like that for your business. So mm. try and keep the space uncluttered. Next, what I would suggest, and this is, you talked a little bit about this, creating your Zen and adding your personality. I always think <clears throat> it's good in your workspace to have some indication of your why. And that doesn't necessarily need to be your why for your particular job, but it should be your why for doing what you're doing. So if you're working mm. and earning income because you're supporting your family, have a picture of your family. If it's because right now you're working really hard because you want to go, you're saving up for a surf trip when we're allowed to travel again, have a great picture of surfing. Things that kind of get you emotionally charged and stoked and, and is your reason for being. Have some indication of that there. Could be a picture, mm. could be a plant. Secondly, make it your own with the types of tools that you like to have. So for me, I'm, I'm quite a creative. So I have a, a whiskey glass full of colored markers because I find that when I you need, need some thought space or something, I'll just doodle or I'll draw or I'll write a hand card to somebody. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, so keep the things that are you and that make you feel excited about work and excited about life in the vicinity. And then I always feel that your senses are very important. So I'm a big smell person. So I always have a candle on my desk. Yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say as much as possible, soy wax, because there's chemicals you're showing. No. Right yeah. And then scents that are quite natural. You have eucalyptus, which is a very calming, and that's amazing, especially if you're in a high-stress job. I know my husband has a pretty high-stress job, is working from home now, and I keep a eucalyptus and a vanilla one handy for him. For me, I love sort of the warm feeling, so I usually have vanilla or pine or kind of things that remind me of outdoors, and I bring that in. Have an indication of your why. Personalize it with the things you love so you don't feel like you're like basically in jail when you have to be sitting there working. Yeah. And the, last, the last thing that I would say, and I find this is very important, at the end of the day, when you're going to finish working, take just a few minutes to clean off your work surface. So for me, that means if I have a pile of papers there, I'm maybe not going to sort them all and put them exactly where they need, need to be, but straighten them up so they're not all over. Or I, I sometimes put one pile this way, one pile this way, because I don't have time, but then they're organized. Put your pens and pencils back in your jar, wipe down your computer, close your computer, so that when you arrive the next morning, you're not arriving into clutter. You're once again arriving into this workspace that's beautiful and welcoming and feels stress-free. So these are ways that I would, I think I would uh, suggest that people working from home attack that problem. Designate a space, make it your own, make sure it's not a secondary thought in with the laundry, and then add some of those comforts through scent. It could be also through sight. There's beautiful flowers. And then declutter every evening for five minutes before you, you shut down. Those are some awesome tips, even some that I didn't even think of that would really help to inspire, like you said, just a picture of your family in clear as eye view, just to know that's who you're working to support and that you love and love, love, love that. And also, I, actually, I'm going to put in a little something a little bit personal is, and I have a lot of trouble doing this, and I'm sure some of our listeners uh, have that too, is 
how do I choose artwork to match my space? Like now if I'm looking at behind, you have a you know, beautiful two, two paintings uh, that you know, show a lot of blue and, and it's calming and they just go together. And I recently revamped my space. I didn't, I want to put a shelf. I didn't put anything else yet, but what can you do? Like does your, okay, number one, does your art have to match your space or does it have to match your personality or in general, what should I pick to put on my walls? Great questions. And a lot of people struggle with that, including myself, because a lot of times we love so many things. Mm. A lot of times we feel we've committed to an aesthetic in our house. And so if we put something that's like in a complete juxtaposition or different from that, we feel somehow like we've, you know, been a traitor or it's wrong <laughs> to the style that we spend so much time and sometimes money on achieving. Yeah. So when it comes to artwork, what I tell people and what I have to tell myself always is artwork is really personal. There are certainly times where we will go out and buy and pick art to complete a feeling in a room. But I don't think we should ever be buy something we don't really like to complete an aesthetic in a room. So for me, I do believe that artwork should be something that evokes some sort of feeling for you or evokes the feeling you're trying to achieve for yourself or for whoever you welcome into that room, whether it's guests or kids or family or clients. So these are some good ideas when you start thinking about artwork. I always, I get a lot of clients who are like, okay, I'm going to go out and buy the art for the living room this weekend. And for me, that's always a little bit of a red flag because you might not find it. So don't rush and don't look for art for others or art for an aesthetic necessarily. Be very careful with that. So these two paint, there's three actually in a row. There's one more. These three are, my, my daughter made them actually. And she, yeah, she went to graphic art school in Zurich, Switzerland and is still living in Switzerland. And growing up, she and I both loved Ezra Jack Keats as a children's author who did a lot of artwork using newsprint, like different mediums. So newsprint and painted pieces and that. So all of these, if I could go in closer, are created out of different painted and textured pieces that she created, then put them all together, then took photos of them, then had them printed. Yeah, she's an artist and a graphic artist extraordinaire. And these are all different spots that we spent time with when they were kids here in Southampton, Ontario, where we have our cottage. So one is of a beach, one's of a lighthouse, one is where we would always go and get fries. So this is just one, not all my artwork is that meaningful. But oh, this that's so sweet. I'm tearing <laughs> up, that's so sweet. <laughs> so um, this is one example though of where having artwork that's very poignant or very meaningful makes it even more special in your home. So every time I walk past there, she lives far away. We haven't been able to see her. She lives in Switzerland still. Mm. Uh, we haven't been able to see her, but every morning that's our coffee bar. Every morning I wake up and I make coffee and I look at those and I remember her and we chat every day. It's just, so art should mean something to you is the first thing. So if you're putting something up and you actually don't like it, but you think the color matches, I would say, don't purchase it or take it down and, and figure out what would inspire you or be, make conversation in that room. So for example, in your space, if you put up a shelf, you can have a large picture of anything that inspires you for what your vision or goals are, but it doesn't only have to be pictures on that shelf. You could have a small succulent, a stone that you found on a beach that you love. You can mix and match these things. So I don't think there are rules. I think, I also think we need to trust ourselves. And if you put something up and you go, yeah, I don't like it, whether it's meaningful to you or not, listen to that little voice and go, okay, I'll, I'll try something else. So art placement takes 
time. And it does take that sort of inner listening a little bit. So for me, my pointers would be make sure your artwork means something to you because you have to look at it every day. Make sure it evokes something that, that healing that you love and enjoy that makes you happy and good vibes. So absolutely, these are the things we're taking in visually every day and take your time so a lot of people feel they have to find the thing to decorate that and it's always good to be on the lookout when you're looking for those things but mm. just take your time I, I always find art speaks to you so you'll know you'll see an object or a painting or an item and and you'll just know and I know this is true this happens with me and my husband I fell in love with this picture not that long ago in a store and it was of this amazing pug I think and it was all made out of different mediums there was newsprint and, so, and a bunch of different things and he looked at it and he's that's horrid we're not getting that <laughs> and I was like I love this pug I was like I really want it. I'm not even a pug fan I'm not even really a dog person but it, there was just something about it there's something about the textures and the way it looked and and I really wanted it but I thought you know what I tend to do this so I'll let it go so we didn't buy it and I just missed that pug so badly. I went everywhere. I went back and it was gone and I've searched online and I've tried to find this mixed medium pug mm. and I haven't yet. Sure, I know for sure, go with your gut and art speaks to you. Those are probably the two biggest things I could say. And then there's different ways of like setting up art, whether it's on a shelf like you're gonna do, which I love right now because you can mix medium again there. Mm. And you can group things. And sometimes the best thing on it on a wall is just one big thing. One big thing. So. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Um, we are getting to the end of our podcast and I have a little game for us. But before we play this game, I like uh, to know, do you have any final thoughts or advice that you want to give our listeners? I think when it comes to Okay, so I'm just going to share a little bit of researchy stuff because I tend to be a little geeky. It's probably my tech background. <laughs> there was a report that was done by the Happiness Research Institute in Copenhagen back in 2019, and it was called the Good Home Report, and you can look it up. And they did the research along with Kingfisher, and it was an amazing study because no one had really studied the impact of our homes on our happiness before. So it was novel in that. And they, they went globally, so it wasn't only in Denmark where we have a lot of figure and a lot of home stuff going on. And what they found was 73% of people who were happy at home and with their home were happy in general in life. It's hmm. a huge number to come, from a, to come from a study, and I think more studies will be done. They also found that our homes and what we feel in our homes and how they're designed for us to live our lives and be reflections of ourselves were second only to mental health and impacting our happiness at 14%. So mental health was 17, how our homes impact us was 14, and income and our work was way down at the bottom of the list. If I could leave a piece of wisdom, it's especially during this time where we're 24-7 at home and it's almost like a relationship where the things you maybe hated before you hate even more now, mm -hmm. maybe you're rediscovering some of those things that you love. To take the time to spend time in your home and sit back, don't rush to change things and begin to look at your home as a member of your family as opposed to a to-do list or something you have to decorate really sit in that home for a little while and go, what do I need this to be? Because once you do that, then you can take that elephant and deconstruct it right. in smaller bites. And you truly can create the home of your dreams and a home where you're going to thrive and your family's going to thrive. No matter how big or small that home is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Owned or rented, 
it's your space. And they're actually, they actually found in that study as well that it's got nothing to do with the size of the home. Yeah. On happiness. It has to do with what we create in that home and how safe we feel and how happy we feel and how involved we feel and how much we're allowed to, how much our homes are launch pads for the life we want to live. So yeah, does ownership and size don't matter. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's beautiful. <laughs> I hear it's all about good vibes. So I never did this game before. I, I wanted to try something different. And I decided to, to try it with you since you are all about calm. And so I came up with some rapid fire questions. I don't know if you've ever played a game like this, but I'm going to give you a sentence. Okay. Uh, and you have to finish it with whatever comes to mind first. Don't okay. think about it too much, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you ready? Okay. A house is not a home without a? Cozy corner. I like that. Designers that I look up to are? Oh, so many. Karen Bone out of Vancouver. Love her. The woman who runs Wit and Delight on Instagram. My gosh, I would love to have all of her. She just moved. I'd love to have all of her houses. <laughs> I think those are my two tops right now. Lauren Walton, love her. All of them tend to be ones that are eclectic and they all very much are, their homes reflect who they are. They're not style trend people. So, which I love styles and trends too, but that's not what drives them. Awesome. My favorite room to design is? Oh, that's a tough one. Okay, really fast, bedroom. Bedroom. Oh, interesting choice. Yeah. I find my inspiration from? My history. history. My culture, I think. Yeah, and nature is huge. So I just love, I try to bring all the elements into my house. Fire, water, stone, air. And then I love all the natural things like wood. And so I always try to have a lot of the outdoors indoors. Nice. That's a Danish thing too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to look it up. I, I, it's so nice. My happy place in my home is? Oh gosh, it's probably my sunroom just off the kitchen here where I have coffee every morning before anyone else gets up. So I get to have like <laughs> peaceful time and I get to look out at the backyard. That one chair. It doesn't yeah. take Last question. My life motto is? My life motto is, I, I actually, I have two. Love is one of them. If we're always loving, nothing can really go wrong. And the other, the other phrase I use all the time is we are the lucky ones. We are the lucky ones. Because oh. in spite of everything, and I'm, there's always someone that has it harder than us that's going through a rougher time. When I want to do the complaining thing, if that happens, I just try to remember how you know, lucky I am and, and to be grateful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So it's, Tina, that was awesome. Thank you for playing my game. <laughs> that was fun. I was a little nervous. Yeah. <laughs> I know I just sprang it onto you, but I like, I loved your vibes and I knew that you would just go with the flow and go with it and you did. That was fun. Yay, good. So Tina, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. For more information on Tina and where to find her and how to create a calm house, please check the description. If you want to hear more good vibes, please subscribe or, or spread some good vibes with a friend by sharing this podcast. Thank you to all our beautiful listeners. And thank you so much, Tina, again, for coming. Thank you, Tanya. It's been nothing but a pleasure. I really enjoyed it.